Hello, everyone. Before we get into it, a couple of notes. Uh, we've recorded this before the matching engine announcement, so don't make fun of me and Index Phoenix. Also, I've launched a Patreon which is really exciting for me. I'm super, super happy to be doing this. So if you go over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide, you can check out the different tiers that I've got available. For basically three pounds a month, you'll get access to the pod, the weekly Sunday pod, up to 24 hours early. You'll get early access tickets, early bird tickets to any podcasts that are live uh, in the future, of course, when um, coronavirus is kind of handled and also any quizzes, etc. In addition to this, you'll get an extra five minutes of the podcast, which is going to be a football index in five, which essentially I'll be asking the same five questions to each guest. And that'll be like an exclusive extra premium bit of snippet of content that you guys get access to. The five quid month tier will basically allow you access to a kind of state of play piece, a blog post by me every month. And that will be shaped by polls and questions that will be asked by the Patreon community. And then there'll also be like a monthly 15 minute extra behind the scenes podcast, which I'll basically detail a bit about what I've been doing for my trading and my football index journey, a bit about kind of like the content, uh, which bits I've really enjoyed creating, which podcasts I've really enjoyed, etc. And any other behind the scenes fixed stuff. So for example, in May, I'd talk about kind of matching engine release, uh, making those videos, the podcasts that have come out, the surprise at how quickly the matching engines launched, etc. All that jazz, launching the website, what was going through my head and that. For £8 a month, you'll get exclusive access to the Patreon Discord for FIG members, for FIG Patreon members. And that is basically like a, a bit like Slack, but it's more geared towards content creators. So I'll be able to do video live streams, audio live streams, answer any questions that people have and become, you know, a bit more of a, a discussion rather than short uh, formal answers on the timeline or in, in DMs on Twitter, where I sometimes get inundated and can't keep up. For £12 a month, which is the, the most expensive and the, the last tier, uh, I'll also be adding monthly webinars to that, which will be super exciting. They'll be co-hosted by some amazing traders in the community or just hosted by myself, hopefully There'll not be too many of those because I don't want to bore you guys. But essentially, there'll be masterclasses on certain subjects. So we might have someone coming in talking about transfer trading, someone coming in talking about how to use matching engines to, to your benefit, someone coming in and talking about how they've used data in their trading, etc., etc. So I'm really, really excited about this. I, I don't expect too many people to come in at this point because <laughs> obviously the kind of financial situation that we're all in with COVID-19. But I thought with the time on my hands, it was as good a time as any to launch this. So if you guys do get on board, thank you so much. It's patreon.com forward slash FI guide. And if you do decide to take a plunge, thank you very much. For now, enjoy this podcast and yeah, let the premium Patreon content resume in June. And just as an FYI, all the content that I currently have out there will remain free. You know, the weekly podcasts with Panda, this podcast, the videos, the blogs will all still be free forever. So don't worry about that. Thank you very much, everyone. Enjoy the set. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 136. If you guys haven't checked out the last episode, it was a cracker that was with Carl Brown, so at K Brown and also Jordan Kenny. Super enjoyable one and I think a lot of people loved that one. Uh, loads of great positive feedback. And before I introduce my 
great debut guest. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out my website yet, head over to footballindexguide.com. I'm really, really over the moon with all the amazing responses, positive responses for that. So thank you all so much so far. And if you guys haven't checked it out yet, please do. So uh, I'll introduce my guest now, uh, Football Index Phoenix. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Fig. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. How are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. Well, we met via the quiz, the Figcast quiz, which I think we've got a couple questions on did, about yeah, later good. on. How did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was very good, mate. Yeah, really good mix of questions. We'll come on to it on the question, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, some of them being having multiple correct answers, shall we say, but yeah, it was, it was a good, good quiz. I enjoyed it. How have you fared on Football Index since its inception or your kind of inception of your journey? Why don't you give us the lowdown? Yeah, so I joined Football Index January 2019, so been on about 16 months now. A friend of mine posted the Trijan promotion in our WhatsApp group, which basically gave you £500 risk-free trading for a month rather than a week, which was the standard no more. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I used to play football manager a lot when I was younger. <laughs> Familiar story on the pod, I guess. And I've always enjoyed playing FPL as well. This season I'm ranked, I think, 2,600, so doing pretty well. And yeah, I've seen some couple of football index ads online as well. And I've dabbled a little bit in spread betting in the past as well. Okay. And thought that applying that sort of trading experience to my knowledge, you know, with trading shares in football is, is something that would really interest me. So yeah, I deposited £500 to start with. Uh, as most as yeah, most people do again stand well-trodden path i guess or predominantly players that were identified as the football manager wonder kids you know the high <laughs> high capital appreciation potential and also players from the top of up end of the market so mm. i was aware that there was going to be a share split in the march and it was likely that the top end would grow yeah i was speculating with a friend of mine actually on, on whether there would be a deposit bonus or not and whether i should put more money in <laughs> i initially decided to hold off I mean, I don't know if you can remember, Fig, but January last year, the market was absolutely flying. It's usually a good time for the index, isn't it, January? Yeah, yeah. So I held off for a couple of days and then I thought, no, I need to, you know, I'm confident with this. I'm going to put a bit more in. So, yeah, popped up my holds and, you know, by the end of January, had 10K in the index. And most of my trading to start with, I would say, was very much momentum trading. So because I had that spare capital as a, a new trader, I guess, I caught a lot of the big rises in the likes of Junior, Bill Forden, Jao Felix before he got his move to Atletico and uh, Hudson Adoy. They all had big spikes around that time and I was lucky enough to be able to get on them early. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, following the share split in March 2019, I de risked the top of the market, started to look at more data analysis tools. I started listening to your podcasts, which were very insightful. Hearing, <laughs> you know, hearing the views from yourself and from other traders gave me a lot more confidence in the platform as well. I joined Football Index Trader and Index Gain, and I'd say they were both very useful. I would say Trader was great at explaining you know, more overall trading strategies. I think I would definitely recommend that for beginners, Football Index. However, once I found my feet, I found I was using Index Gain more and more for the data side of things. Mm. And uh, for me, anyway, it's, it's an essential subscription. You know, the data that you have at the tip of your finger, fingertips. Brilliant. And then, yeah, April last year, there was a deposit bonus, which I took full advantage of, more capital in. And May identified and bought around 40 players specifically for PB for the following season. So, you know, I'd figured that prices would bottom out towards the end of the season. And come August time, there would be in high demand again. 
So yeah, focused on PB averages and PB peaks. I now tend to look at overs as well, but didn't do much at that time. Bought the likes of Cruz and Pareo, both for around £1.30, I think they were back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all those PB holds kind of sat on those over the summer. Dabbled in some transfers over the summer. Got stung a little bit by Dybala when he didn't leave Juve. I think a few traders got caught with that one. And yeah, end up buying Bruno when his his transfer to Spurs fell through, which is a big regret of mine. <laughs> you know, he was, I think he dropped to about two pounds. And I remember thinking at the time, he's bound to move in January. Do I just buy him and, and hold? And yeah, didn't do it. And you know, we all know how that's turned out. But yeah, I think over the summer, I felt that my portfolio was getting a little bit out of hand. You know, I had like 80 players at one point and just decided that I diversified maybe too much. So uh, yeah, started to trim it down. I was finding that the players I was more confident in were the, the players that were seeing the biggest price rises. But my confidence wasn't necessarily reflected by having an increased number of shares. Mm. So yeah, the core of my part was always very much PB focused. I believe PB is the USP of the platform and eventually dividends would increase, which would mean these players would become more valuable. And then around sort of October, November time, I think it was, I was just about to start moving my port towards focus on transfers with January in mind. And then FI hit us with the increased dividends. I think they were mm. 57%, I think it was. Yeah. Which was absolutely huge. And, you know, I was fortunate that I hadn't really transitioned my port just yet. So I still had those, a lot of those PB players that benefited from that. So... Sort of November time, I sold off a lot of the PB holds, particularly the older players, as I was starting to focus more on premium youth and began to realise just how important the player's age was for the price. So I'd say since January this year, I've, I've kind of tried to follow three golden rules. So they tend to be aged 26 or under. They have underlying stats which demonstrate ability to win PB now or have the potential to in the future. Mm. Um, thirdly, I guess the category that's maybe is a bit more difficult to define is, is what I categorise as elite youth. So, you know, the likes of Sancho, Mbappe, Trent, Haaland, you know, these guys that are clearly going to be global stars of the game for the next 10 years. And in my opinion, will just grow with the platform. And you know, they also have that media appeal either now or in the future to supplement those PB scores. And yeah, you know, in addition to that, you know, if I feel a player clearly isn't priced correctly, I will jump on those as well, you know, if, it, if a transfer clearly hasn't been built in just yet. Mm. Yeah, I think now where I'm at at the minute, I've got about 25 players in my port. As I say, I've, I tend to have fewer players and more shares now. But I also try to keep around 3 to 5% of my capital available as a cash balance to respond to new opportunities. It's easier said than done. You know, I never, I'm guilty myself for not sort of sticking to that. If I see an opportunity and spend that cash balance, I force myself to list some players so that I'm constantly evaluating my portfolio to, to clear out any, any dead wood or ensure I've got capital available for new opportunities. There really is nothing worse than, than seeing a player start to fly and you know you were thinking that would happen and you don't have the funding to jump on it. But yeah, March and April have been brilliant. You know, they've been my best two months on the platform, so I'm confident in my low number of players, high number of shares strategy. Quite a comprehensive overview. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's great though. It's great. You've clearly, you know, come a long way since you started on the index, which wasn't that long ago. I mean, to kind of maneuver your way through that many deposit bonuses, share splits, and have uh, such a robust kind of strict strategy is, is really admirable. But I'm sure there'll be more questions that we can dig into in the future of this pod on your strategy specifically. We've got a few miscellaneous questions here. One from me. What did you think of the maiden Figcast quiz and whose round was harder? Mine sporting pandas 
Yeah, yeah. So as I said, you know, I really enjoyed the quiz, mate. You know, thanks to both of you for, for organising it. It was great to put faces to familiar Twitter handles. And like I say, it was a good mix of questions. We had the blended faces round, which is really good. But I would say Panda's round was definitely more difficult. And I think uh, a lot of people were saying that early on, if I remember rightly. And uh, also, you know, even made more difficult by some of the questions having several correct answers, I guess. Yeah. Is there any plans for a, a follow up? Yeah, I got something in mind. Got something in mind. If I can pull this off, it would be gargantuan. What I've got in mind. <laughs> uh, I blew Panda's mind when I was trying to explain what I was trying to do for the next quiz or adjacent type of quiz. But I need. I've employed some very very smart help from the football index twitter community to try and help me do this one because it's it's a bit above my pay grade with some of the technicalities. But if I pull it off, it would be great. Probably in some late June time, maybe. Sounds good. Look forward to it. We'll see. We'll see. Got a question here from Aaron Palace, another Liverpool fan. <laughs> Madness. Oh, there's so many of you. <laughs> Erling Haaland, overpriced, underpriced or fairly priced? Uh, yeah, Erling Haaland, the, uh, the marmite of the football index world, I guess. <laughs> I guess, first off, if you believe that Haaland will eventually move to Man United at some point, then you know, he's massively underpriced, right? The media that he would pull in at United would just be insane. If you think he doesn't move to United, then... He gets a bit trickier. You know, his PB scores aren't great. His PB base is low. He's not been involved in other play too much. You know, what happens if, if Sancho has a positional change, gets moved to forward? What happens to Haaland then? You know, even though they're probably only in the same team for the next year or so, I guess, if not. But having said that, you know, I am definitely warming to Haaland. For me, he comes into that bracket of elite youth. I don't hold at the moment. Probably will get involved at some point just because the sheer number of goals he's going to score. And, you know, I think I think it would have been a great trade to buy him before the return of the Bundesliga, which I didn't do as I was building <laughs> a cash balance for the order books. Easy to say in hindsight, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'd also say I think Haaland's probably my biggest FI regret. You know, mm. when he scored those nine international goals, he was like, <laughs> I think he was something like £1.20. Yeah, I think he went from from like 90p to about that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just didn't have any cash balance at the time, and or very little, and, you know, I just thought it was probably a freak result. He didn't come up on any of the... It certainly was a freak yeah. kind of a show, wasn't it? He hadn't come up on any of the uh, the football manager Wonderkid lists either when I initially looked. He's definitely on there now. They've, they've gone back and edited it. So, uh, yeah, how wrong I was. But if, you know, if I'm looking at the bigger picture now, I would probably say he's underpriced based on that elite youth and the fact that, you know, I think the amount of goals he scores, he will in PB. And, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's going to put in some good media as well eventually. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty succinct but good overview of your thoughts. And I think a lot of people's thoughts, I think it's one of those players that like keeps going up and more and more people regret it. I wonder whether or not this kind of run continues. It's obviously going to be dependent on dividends he wins in the near future, whether it's from like MB, while well, Bundesliga is the only league around, or indeed actually bags himself some PB from no doubt scoring a few goals. But I guess we'll see. We'll have to wait and see with that one, I suppose. But got another question here from Old Man FI, which is kind of adjacent to that one. And the reason I've stuck it in the miscellaneous question after Aaron's, at what point when predicting a player's future earnings should a trader hope rather than base their decision on historic dividends for example Mbappe are traders ignoring the fact that he's made just 23p in two seasons yeah I, th- I thought this was a great question actually you know historic data is important you can look at how players have performed against the PB matrix over any given period and compared to other players on the, on the platform at a click of a button using index gain however for me what's probably more important is what your view is of 
their expected future dividend earnings over a, over a player's career. If you think about sort of different valuation techniques for businesses, you could look at value, the net assets. You could look at price earnings ratio, which I think FBI traders touched on a couple of weeks back. I think what most traders do without even realizing it is try and do like a, a basic discounted cash flow. So they assess the future stream of dividends for a player mm. over the next 10 to 15 years plus a residual value that they can then sell the player at. And then obviously apply a discount rate for which accounts for the time value of money and the fact that one pound today is worth more than one pound at any point in the future. And then, yeah, if they think that valuation is going to be higher than the current price, then they'll buy the player. For me, the elite youth on the platform have such a high valuation over and above their current price. But it is almost a no-brainer. If you look at Trent, for example, he's, what, £7.70 today, something like that? Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree he's got another at least 10 years at the top level, right? He's starting to pick up media in addition to his PB performances now as well. So I think he'll earn more than 77p a year in dividends. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's already pretty much doing it. In the, in the past year, he's won 57p worth of dividends. So that's over a 7% yield. If you run the numbers for Sancho, it comes out about 8% too. So no, that doesn't even account for the fact that there's probably going to be future dividend increases. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any football for the past two months. In Trent's case, you know, potential Liverpool captaincy in the future. So that'll bring in media of its own. And the fact that these players will likely improve even further throughout their career. So for me, those guys that are already proven, you know, they're still so undervalued. Going back to the the Mbappe question, I guess. There is clearly global media. Mbappe is the only teenager other than Pele, I think, to score in a World Cup final. So, you know, when Messi and Ronaldo retire, who is the heir to the throne for the best player in the world? You'd have to say at the minute, the best guess would probably be Mbappe and Sancho, right? Mm-hmm. So the amount of media that they will win over their careers, in addition to any PB, will be very, very high in my opinion. And I think right now, a lot of traders are not factoring in that global star media appeal. And if you're only looking at historic data, you're probably missing a huge piece of the jigsaw when you're trying to value a player. For sure. I think the the old adage, isn't it? Past performance is not indicator of future. Yeah. is something that traders should definitely pay attention to because it certainly does lead to traders buying players that have actually won maybe like 90% of their dividends that they're ever going to win already, if that makes sense. I think someone put it on the podcast maybe several or like 10, 20 episodes ago where they considered PB wins like a bit of a rake. Like for every PB win a player wins, logically, they have fewer chance to win the next one, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, their, their next PB or they've won, they've got one less to win in their career, if that makes sense. So people looking at it that way is certainly, certainly very interesting. I think it was um, Taking Value who, who actually said that on the pod a while ago. But got a question here from Soccer Index. Who are you most looking forward to seeing back in action from the other three leagues? Should they be confirmed? Ah, Soccer Index. Yeah, he's, he's a good mate of mine, actually. I, uh, I shared a room with him in Vegas and Bali when we were on holiday. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I tell you what, you don't want to be stood next to him when you're by the pool. Oh, he's he's shredded, isn't he? Oh, man, his physique, it just puts you to shame, he's that rich. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, first off, I've got to say, you know, I am excited to see, obviously, Liverpool back in action. I mean, we've got six points to win the league, and you couldn't really write it, could you? 30 years without winning the league and six points away and there's a global pandemic and football's cancelled, you know, 
yeah, if I was to pick one player, looking forward to watching, it'd probably be Phil Foden. You know, for me, I mean, he's brilliant. You know, he's, he's 20 years old next week. And the way he commands the ball for City in a team that has the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, Bernardo Silva, you know, and when he gets the ball, he carries it forward and he progresses the play from midfield to attack. He's so, mm. so comfortable on the ball. He can pick a pass, pops up in the box to score goals too. And yeah, we all know how highly Pep rates him, even saying he's, he's the most talented player he's seen in his career as a player and a manager. Um, he needs to put his money where his mouth is and start playing him because, you know, for me, I would have included him in the Euro squad this summer. I think he's that good. And I think he actually is one of those players that benefits from the Euros being postponed to next summer because if he, yeah. is, if he is playing week in, week out for City, then he easily goes to the Euros. Yeah, just one more thing on Gordon before I move on. <laughs> I guess this is a little bit of a ridiculous comparison considering how highly I rate for Gordon, but uh, um, you'll remember well, Fig, the, all the media that Jack Wilshere used to get when he first broke through about being so comfortable in midfield and like an English savvy type player. Mm. I think yeah. um, I think if Foden starts to attract some of that English media appeal, combined with what I see as a very friendly PB game and playing for a PB friendly club, then I think his his price will will fly. But it does all hinge on giving him that game time, which I think he will. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? I did actually completely adjacently just read a really, really interesting thread on Twitter just before we started this, which was about, uh, I don't know why this has brought it to mind, but it was about how the death of the number 10 and how most of those players have kind of, they've moved from either that 10 role they've gone to the wing or they've gone into central midfield, which is certainly something you could see Foden doing, either being in one of those roles. And I think it's, you know, under Pep, an area that he, he could flourish in. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think that that number 10 role, it kind of almost isn't there now, is it? I mean, obviously, Liverpool fan Coutinho left us and went to Barcelona. But if we were looking at potentially bringing him back now, you know, we wouldn't because he doesn't really fit into that system anymore. He is more of a central player for me, Coutinho. And yeah, I think that's the sort of mold that we're talking yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think Coutinho, Ozil, James, a few to name there that, that could, well, either just kind of their careers dwindle or they kind of try and adapt. Some of them might be too old to do so. But Aaron Johns has a question here. Uh, sorry for taking that on a, on a random journey, by the way, to <laughs> the positioning of central midfielders, and central attacking midfielders and wingers. Aaron Johns' question is a really interesting one. I think I answered when I did the when I was my, a guest on my own show. Top three players you want to be IPO'd? I mean, for me, just as a general point, I think you know we should definitely have players IPO'd for all of the squads, the teams that are in the PB leagues at the moment. So if you look at like Leeds, who are top of the championship, they only have six players on the index at the moment. So assuming they get promoted, a lot of their team and squad are going to have to be IPO'd. If I was to pick a specific player, I guess the obvious one right now is probably Rayner at Dortmund. He got injured in the warm-up weekend. So, you know, he would have been starting for a top team in Germany and not on the index uh, I think you've mentioned it on pods before Vic, where you, know, you speak to your friends about football index and you try and kind of explain what it is and who you can buy and you might you know, throw a player out and isn't on the index and it, it sort of loses a little bit of credibility yeah I would say Rain is the obvious one for me I think with there being five subs and potential COVID-19 cases cropping up you know there's, there's likely to be more fringe players starting that really should be on the index already I did struggle with this question, to be honest, Vic. Because with my trading strategy, I kind of go for more proven players. I don't try and look around at maybe youngsters that are just coming through. I kind of go for more of a proven approach. So, you know, Rainer was the only obvious one I could think of. 
That's fair. I mean, you know, I would have thought you might have had a few more for us considering your uh, FM background, but nonetheless, <laughs> that's yeah, completely yeah. all right. I don't play it as much as I used to these days, Vic. Uh, I think if I was playing for a manager as well, that, uh, yeah, I don't think my wife would be too happy, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you only recently told your missus about your index holdings, didn't you? I did, I did. Yeah, I thought, you know, when I hit the 100k last month, I thought, you know, I mean, now's probably the time I should be telling my wife how much money I've got in this thing. And uh, yeah, similar day to this, I think, you know, we'd, we'd spent some time in the garden in the sun and I thought, you know, spirits were high. I thought this was a good opportunity to tell her. And I was slightly nervous, to be honest, but she took it really well. You know, she, she pretty much said, fair play and fair play for doing so well with uh, the index. And she understood the dividends underpinning value concept quite quickly and trading in and out of players. And, you know, as I say, I surprisingly chilled considering it is essentially gambling. But needless to say, I did buy the takeaway that evening, which uh, sweetened things slightly. But yeah, she now understands why I spend so long doing my football research and that it isn't all just for FPL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's there comes a time where you need to kind of, I guess, tell people. The, I remember, you know, telling friends about it and they were like, oh, wow, okay, fair, that's interesting. And then the more and more your, your port grows, the more they're like, Oh, okay, that's that's a bit crazy when you when you kind of tell them. But uh, before before we move on, just need to plug a couple of things for you guys. If you guys aren't members for Index Gain yet, well, I think uh, Football Index Phoenix did all the convincing that you need prior to this, right at the beginning, describing his journey. And now that PB Football's back, why not have a look at some of their amazing reports with their premium membership? My personal favourite is the overs. But recently, I've been looking about players that haven't really moved in price in the last month or so. Uh, so if you consider the order books are coming in or matching engine, whatever you want to call it, that's going to be some super serious discounts potentially on players that haven't moved that much. So you can use the code FIG2020 over on indexgain.co.uk for five quid off your first month or you get one month free, then another five quid on top of that with the FIG2020 code. And this podcast is also sponsored by Index Track for the first time ever. The ultimate portfolio tracking tool. See how you performed versus the market growth, your share expiry dates, interesting portfolio stats, and much, much more. All from an upload of your transaction history. And now you can see what shares you hold that are eligible for in-play dividends over the next 30 days. So head over to indextrack.co.uk and use the code FIG for your first whole month free. Why not go and do that? It's a super great platform. The guys that are running it are really great as well. So do give them a check and yeah, the website will be in the description and or you can just remember the URL and type it in yourself. Got a question here from EFC Index. Can you see a lot of fun listing of players? By the way, all these questions that are coming up in this next section are all about the matching engine, so strap, strap in. In the sell queue, once ma- uh, matching engine is released, and how will this affect the market in the first couple of days? So I'm assuming EFC thinks there'll be a lot of unlisting of players which will then be sold at a higher instant sell price once these are available through the matching engine. I guess it's probably fair to say the probably will be a small market correction on some player prices. I mean, it is just the instant sell prices that were corrected initially because, obviously, traders now provide instant sell through bids. However, after a few weeks or so, could then start to see traders look at the spread on players. And in theory, those players with the highest spreads will be seen as maybe riskier trades. The market has then taken the view that their intrinsic value isn't as close to the buy price as maybe people first thought. So you could then see traders maybe steering away from the players with higher spreads as the fair value of a player becomes more visible with the matching engine. I think it's fair to say, you know, there's no doubt 
there'll be much more liquidity in the market. Yeah, definitely. The gap between the buy price and the instant sell will be closer. And that can only be positive for Volindex themselves to more commission and traders to move into other trades and, or get their hands on some cash. Now, I very much see the introduction of the matching engine as a positive step forward for the platform and something that maybe even will start to attract the attention of more high net worth individuals. I really didn't get the the negative reaction on the timeline, to be honest. And I think mm. um, Headhunter summed it up perfectly with his tweet about FI. You know, they're now offering people the opportunity to buy a fiver for £4 and people are still complaining about the 8p commission. <laughs> I honestly think that some traders wouldn't be happy unless Adam Cole hand-delivered them a crate of beer on each, each announcement. And, but even then, they'd probably still complain it was Corona instead of Sol. So... <laughs> <laughs> No comment. No comment. <laughs> Tom7471 has a question here. Thoughts on no instant sell option? Uh, I mean, for me, longer term, that probably wouldn't be feasible, I would guess. You know, I think the instant sell option is there to give traders some comfort that for whatever reason, be it an injury in a player or, you know, they just need to get their cash out the platform for whatever reason. I think right now, instant sell is turned off, right? Is that right, Fig? I think you are correct. Yes, it is. I mean, I haven't tried to instant sell for a while. I mean, I think we can all agree that right now is exceptional circumstances, I would say. Yeah, and the, yeah, you know, yeah. The measures that Football Index have taken to protect the platform in this period, increasing the spreads, deposit bonus, double dividends, it's, it's given me more confidence than ever in the platform. And, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen to a gambling, football gambling platform? It's, it's football being cancelled, um, mm. which is effect- <laughs> yeah. it's effectively what's happened, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who coined it Black Thursday? (laughs) On on Black Thursday, right? So I think there will always be some form of instant. I think it's probably Panda, (laughs) isn't it? To be honest, I I think I heard it on one of the previous pods and, uh, you know, just ran with it. Yeah, probably. Um, Yeah, I think there will always be some form of instant sell. But if there is no bids on your player, you know, it would just be that it would be a very low instant sell option that FI would offer. You know, what FI are doing here is, is really clever. You know, it's allowing traders to provide liquidity. And right now, Football Index have probably got a big amount of cash set aside, ready to fund a certain amount of instant selling at any point, any point in time. And allowing traders to provide that liquidity and then taking a small slice of it themselves with the 2%, it can then free up that cash for more marketing and, and funding better tech, which obviously they're doing. And maybe it's even... Funnily enough, I literally just made a video earlier the day before we recorded this that I'm going to plug. It's the kind of five benefits that I've seen as the biggest benefits for Football Index due to what I perceive the matching engine will do and what it will be. And one of those is exactly that. Like, you know, FI being a better business is better for every trader, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of traders maybe don't see that business aspect as freely as what some do. But, you know, you can't underestimate it. It's, it's going to free up a lot of cash for FI, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, not having that kind of variable cost, the variable liability of instant service is really hard because it's quite hard to forecast, isn't it? Yeah. I've got a question here from Screech Sensei. Question for both of you. For the matching engine to work, won't FI need to shorten the spreads? Do you see them doing that? Well, I think the spreads will definitely shorten, but it won't be because FI have shortened them. It'll be because you and I and, and every other trader will have shortened them. So if you think about how the matching engine works, the player's instant sell price is £2 mm. and their buy price is £3.50. And you can put a bid in for, say, £2.20. If that is the highest bid that's available, then that will become the instant sell price, if I understand it correctly. And then if another trader is prepared to instant sell at £2.20, then it is matched and the trade is completed. So, you know, it'll be traders themselves that will be, as we've just mentioned, sort of closing that gap between 
the buy price and the instant sell price. Actually, in my opinion, there couldn't be a better time to introduce mm, this given mm. the size of the spreads right now. Well, I, I'm um, sorry I keep plugging this video, but one of the things I did say <laughs> is in this video is there were a lot of people saying, I wish I could buy or try and buy people's portfolios off them that wanted to leave. Because I've got the spare capital. I want to incur this risk, even if it's in the middle of a pandemic, because I see a big opportunity here. Because with every calamitous thing that happens in the world, that there does breed opportunity, however unfortunate the circumstances are. And a lot of traders were in that position where they were like, gosh, I bet if I bid nine quid for Sancho right now, someone would buy them. And I think that's when there were, it went from three or 4% of people really being keen on my order books to like 30, 40, 50% of the, the kind of trader base being like, you know what? I've seen it now in my eyes, how bad a liquid market is. This is how great it would be if we actually had, you know, a robust order book or matching engine system or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely the, the next logical step. I mean, you know, Man tweeted that this is why intrinsic value is so important. And mm. me, you know, it's the traders that are going to decide the instant sell price of the players moving forward. And, you know, the lower intrinsic value players, you know, are going to get found out. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, an interesting point because there was a lot of debate about kind of the valuation of players at the start not the start of COVID, but like quite a little bit before that about like, you know, it's subjective, which it totally is. But to kind of say that there is no underlying kind of value there for players is, is kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've already mentioned that dividends underpin the value uh, of a player and there's various different ways you can try and value that player. Yeah, absolutely. Ludacris to suggest that there's there's not really any intrinsic value, I would say. Mm, mm. Well, we've got another question. Actually, no, I've got one more question for you before I ask this next one. You know, we talked a little bit about FI providing liquidity before. They've kind of been a bit ambiguous about this, right? You know, Mike said that on the podcast, the official Football Index podcast, that they won't be providing liquidity at the start, but they will when it settles down. On the yeah. FAQs, I think, when the announcement came out in writing, they said that there would be a third-party liquidity provider. On the footballindex.zendesk website, the FAQs state they kind of go in depth about who the liquidity provider is, what they do, and how they're going to be doing things. What is your thoughts? Because for me, I don't think we'll see players with no instant sell price. I personally think that that would be too damaging for the image of Football Index. But Because I can't see them thinking that everyone's going to place bids immediately. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. will, in my opinion, always be an instant sell price, whether that's through the traders, through the bidding process in the matching engine, or, or whether if there isn't any bids, Football Index have a, you know, they provide some form of instant sell, a very large spread possibly. Yeah, I just can't see the platform not having any instant sell option whatsoever. And I agree, Fig, I think it'd be damaging for them if they were even to do that. Yeah, I, I think it would, it would just be a bad look. I mean, you would be throwing marketing dollars down the drain, so to speak, if you were trying to get traders on a platform whereby there's no sell option. That would look even worse than having wide spreads, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a gambling platform at the end of the day and, you know, bookies offer uh, cash out options in play and everyone wants to have that option there of cashing out their bet and, you know, that's what the Insta sell does. Indeed, indeed. I will move on to the next question now from FI Jack. Uh, regarding the matching engine, shock, many already struggle keeping a meaningful cash balance. So is it realistic to expect traders to lock funds away in bids with no idea of when they're likely to happen. Will the matching engine only be a mechanism for the richest 1% of traders with money to spare? Yeah, again, I thought this was a great question. I mean, I did have this thought myself, and I agree it, 
it is difficult keeping a cash balance. You know, you've always got opportunity cost in mind and think that having a cash balance, it's doing nothing and it could actually be in a player with chance of capital appreciation and, and dividends. However, you know, it's just about being disciplined enough to realise that actually having the cash there handy will help you jump on opportunities as they are developing. You know, I think my first few months on the platform wouldn't have been as successful as they were if I didn't have that capital available to jump on those rises. So, you know, I suggest to maybe try and keep three to five percent of your capital available in cash if that's possible. You know, I try and do that and it is difficult because, you know, you see the cash in your account and you just want to sort of you've always got a player in mind of who you then want to buy. And, you know, it is difficult sort of keeping that there. You know, coming back to the matching engine, I do agree that bigger traders will benefit because they will have the funds, have more funds to put more bids in place and sweep up those opportunities where they feel a player has become value. But remember, in the current environment, those bids will still be higher than the current instant sell price. So it will actually also benefit everyone. Because if you do want to instant sell, you'll be able to exit the trade at a higher price. In summary, I think matching engine is, you know, it's great for everyone, buyers, sellers and football index themselves. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that people keep forgetting. I think there's been a bit of revisionism, hasn't there, about what the spreads were like before COVID? Because for me, I was seeing averages of 5 to 8% spreads. And I mean, you know, if you were now placing a bid on, say, Jaden Sancho, would you place it 5 to 8% below? Some would probably place it slightly higher, wouldn't they? In terms of they'd be happy of getting that slight discount. And sometimes we saw spreads of 8 to 12% and 15% wasn't too irregular, depending on how heavily sold that player was or if they were injured or they were linked to a non-top 5 PB league. I think sometimes you're going to get far better spreads than you would have done before COVID. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you will still get traders trying their luck with really speculative low bids. But as we've said, I think spreads will definitely be a lot smaller than they are right now. Whether they'll be as small as they were back when I first joined, you know, I think when I first joined, you were looking at maybe... Three and a half percent usually. Yeah, three, yeah, three to three to four percent. And what that meant was that you could place your bet and the percentage chance of winning your bet far outweighed the loss that you would have by instant selling. You could see a big 30 to 40 percent return if a player had a good mm. game. If they didn't, you could you know you could always instant sell and take that hit on a small spread. Mm. Let me test your forecasting abilities, right? Okay, so give me top three: Jaden Sancho, Bruno Fernandez, and Mbappe. What do you think the percentage spread will be on them two days into order books coming live or matching engine? You put me I on have. Spot now, I have. Um, so Jaden Sancho, I mean, let's go thirteen forty-five. That's his buy. What's the sell? I mean, Jaden Sancho for me will have the smallest spread just because. He's flying at the moment. Well, at the moment, he's at this point in time, he's, he's been pretty stagnant last sort of weeks. But, you know, the last couple of months, he's absolutely flown. I think he will have the smallest spread. I'm just up now to see. Right, so it's, the instant sell price now is, what, £8, pence. I think it'd be about £12.60. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, okay. So about 6 7 okay. all right. Bruno Fernandes, 9.64 is his buy price. Have a look. 964, right. So his instant sell now is £5.78. Mm. I don't think there's as much demand there for Bruno. So I think there will be, yeah, I think about £8.20. Okay, all right. Uh, Mbappe, £8.70. Last one. I'll stop putting you on the spot after this. <laughs> <laughs> so Mbappe, so his instant sell price now is £5.20. I think Mbappe is probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, for me, he be up there. If he was English, there with Sancho, if not higher. And my view on it is, double media will come. Mm-hmm. That Mbappe will 
ultimately have Sancho when that comes mm-hmm. in. And I think a lot of people are really put off by that and see that just now. So yeah, I think he's somewhere in the middle. So if I have a look, I think maybe somewhere like seven pounds sixty. Okay. Okay. Nice. I like it. I like you. You know, being put on the spot and uh, and responding with some verb there. Uh, just before we move on, I need to plug the athletic. So today's episode is brought to you as usual by the Athletic. They're a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage. They feature football reporters you know and love, like David Ornstein, James Pearce, Sam Lee, and Rafa Honigstein, who's been doing some awesome analysis of the Bundesliga and how it's come back with full force the athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else with no ads or clickbait and if you want 50 percent of your annual subscription to the best sports writing around and for me it is the best sports writing around go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig and it's only £2.49 a month if you go for their annual deal it's cheap as chips i don't know if you're a subscriber phoenix no not not just yet it's definitely something that i am going to check out though oh, um, yeah. i think uh yeah it's definitely on the on the list of things have to do. i just made a live sale Possibly, yeah. You, 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 get, you get commission fee. I do, I do. That's the uh, that's that's the the sponsorship deal. I'm very lucky to have with the Athletic. They're not the easiest people to kind of <laughs> be sponsored by, I suppose. But you've been buying much that costs more than two pound forty nine these days. Uh, I've not been really buying too much in lockdown, to be honest. Ordered some protein powder the other day. That was more than oh, wow, two pounds okay. fifty. So uh, yeah, trying to I chase guess. those soccer index gains. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to catch him up. I think he's, yeah, he's uh, left me in the dust, I think, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got a question here from Metropolis on the forum. He says, two questions, feel free to choose or dismiss. So I chose one. With a large amount invested, does he ever feel anxious, particularly in relation to FI reiterating the bet and not an investment claim? The reality is that FI is somewhere in between, so does he feel better? Regulation and rules for large sums of money are required or a shift in policy? FCA approval, perhaps? What makes him comfortable with having so much money in Football Index? I wouldn't ever say that I feel anxious. You know, I think it's true. You should only bet what you can afford to lose. I mean, if I lost all my portfolio now, obviously I would be gutted, but my wife and I can still pay the mortgage. We'd still have food on the table. It wouldn't impact our lifestyle. I think if anyone is feeling anxious about the amount of money they have in football index, then they should seriously reconsider that and potentially take some funds out. I agree. I I view football index as very much somewhere in between gambling and investing. It's absolutely a gambling product. However, the look and feel of it is similar to investing. It's very unlikely you will lose your full stake like you would with a traditional bookie if you bet on both teams to score, for example. But yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think better rules or regulations are required. I mean, Football Index already do their due diligence checks. If FI was FCA approved, we would be paying tax on our winnings. Is that right? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I think there's, uh, I don't know, some spread betting sites are regulated by the FCA, but I'm not sure if you're taxed on your winnings. It's a bit of a a weird one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that could start to put some people off for sure. But then again, on the flip side, would that make the platform appear more credible and to high net worth individuals and we start attracting more whales, which, you know, pushes up the market cap, which, you know, benefits all traders. So, uh yeah, I don't necessarily think there needs to be more rules or regulation. But yeah, why do I feel comfortable having money in FI? I guess I've got more and more confident throughout the last year and a half, you know, listening to this podcast and hearing other people share their stories. Faith everyone has in the platform, the business model is sound, the dividends underpinning 
players' value. You know, it really is a fantastic platform, and I do firmly believe that it's the future of football gambling and that people will be sat in the pub comparing who they have in their portfolios in, in years to come rather than you know, like right now they do with their FPL teams. You know, I think defining moments for me that have boosted my confidence, probably the, the Depay injury. You know, even though I lost that bet, I was still able to recoup about 80% of the value before the injury. Mm-hmm. And my pot quickly recovered. So that gave me a lot more confidence to go big on fewer players. Had that not happened, I probably wouldn't have been so big on Jaden Sancho the last few months. And I'm confident that my trading strategy has a long-term positive expected value so that I'm going to win a lot more of my bets than what I lose. You know, some people are surprised when they hear that I've got money in a football gambling platform, but... I mean, that money would only have been invested in stocks and shares otherwise, and we all know what happened in March. So is it, is yeah. it, really, is it really safer having your money invested in traditional ways? I don't know. It's very, it's very tough to say. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an expert in, in any other markets. I wouldn't probably even classify myself an expert in the next market. <laughs> but it's, I think for me, it's kind of risk fees for reward and probabilities are things that just aren't really, they aren't really talked a lot about. I'm reading a book now called uh, Super Forecasting. It's the art of prediction by a guy called Phil Tetlock. And he kind of talks about how a lot of people, they assert kind of like definites to things so if me and you were going to say like what price okay what is sancho going to be 16 pounds by the end of july right that would be the statement you know a lot of people would say no or yes but like realistically there is a percentage chance of that happening and the better you are at kind of forecasting these things the better you are at risk management i suppose because if the risk is if you think there's a 10 percent chance of that happening then you're likely not going to be buying many sancho right because you think there'd be 10%, more than 10% to make somewhere else. But if you think, and not 10%, like there'd be a better risk to reward ratio, if that makes sense. But if you think there's an 80% chance of that happening, then your actions might be different. So I suppose a lot of people need to kind of look at, it's not like a, is your money safe? Is it not? There's like a probability of FI not being a thing in five years and it being the biggest gambling competitor to, you know, bet 365 in five years. Like you need to kind of weigh up what the percentage chance of FI being a success is long-term, because I already view it as success, you know, 600,000 users, 120 million pound market cap, matching engines coming in, deal with NASDAQ. That is a huge success for a company that's four years old, you know. Not a lot of companies do even 10% of that by the time they're four years old. And believe me, I've worked with a lot of startups and I've worked in a startup. So I kind of know that area of the market quite well. Maybe not the gambling market so much, but hey-ho. And I think people just need to think about not the, it's kind of similar in a way to how people talk about like, should I sell this player? It's like, well, you don't need to sell all of them. You could sell some, you know? And people need to think about probabilities more, uh, especially when they think about their kind of risk versus reward outcomes with whatever decisions they take in life, but also specifically FI and how much money you've got in the platform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's all about having that that viewpoint. There's going to be a long-term positive expected value there. And, you know, as long as you're confident in your approach and wherever you've got your money invested or, I guess, in the gambling to football index, as long as you're confident in that long-term positive expected value, then that's that's fine. Yeah, I think it's... PEV thing we've talked a lot about on the podcast, but so we won't go too into it. Got a question here from FI Gardener. How would you like to see IPOs introduced back to the platform? I mean, I suppose FI were testing something by introducing a random 27-year-old Armenian the other day. 
<laughs> yeah, you're definitely a player that's not going to crash the platform. I, w- I think we could all agree. He didn't exactly uh, rock it, did he? No, no. I didn't even track him, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we can all agree that the current IPO system isn't really fit for purpose. I mean, no, it, it can't be right that you know people are posting on Twitter that they're taking days off work, uh, ticker watching, and you know when a player goes live, it doesn't necessarily promote responsible gambling. But my view would be that you know some form of bidding system probably. Um, a player is announced that they will IPO a month before they do. Traders submit their bids to FI. There's a limited number of shares issued initially, and they are given to those with the highest bids. And an average of those bids then becomes the market price. You, you could also limit the number of buys to maybe 300 per person for the IPO for the first week. Would that then prevent that gold rush moment where everybody's clicking max buy, or would that just push it back a week? I think it's tricky, but you know, if they've got the mechanisms to introduce a matching engine, a power instant cell, it's probably not a huge leap of faith to get some kind of bidding system which powers the initial IPO price. What do you think, Vic? Yeah, I think we've talked a lot about this kind of potential to have a bidding system. I think the best episode for that, you should check out the one with FBI. I think it's episode 132 that I'm sure you listen to, Phoenix. But we talked a lot about Dutch auctions and and bids. I think on the podcast that I've done with the FI guys, the actual uh, you know staff, Kieran's talked about like a bidding system and making it so it's, you know, I could uh, wake up in the morning, see that a few players are IPOing, play some bids and then not have a look at the index the whole day. And then at the end of the day, have a look and see if I've actually got myself some bids won. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it, that a lot of people need to kind of think about and think about how it might change in terms of not being the fastest finger first. I think personally, we'll see some sort of auction system, but I'm still kind of uncertain about just exactly how the mechanics work. But then I was kind of uncertain about how, I, how the, the order books would work and how they would work into relation with FI and they've kind of seemed to crack it. So as I always say on this podcast, we t- I talk about FI maybe three, four hours a week on a podcast and a video. These guys are employed to do it uh, day in, day out and they're far, far smarter than me. So I, I kind of trust them with whatever process that they come up with. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it's it sounds definitely a lot more uh, stress-free sort of way of getting your hands on an IPO than what it is at the moment. Yeah. It seems a lot, a lot fairer as well. Yeah, but also it's it's also one of those things because it's like, how do you make it so the, <laughs> the the website doesn't crash? Like, you don't want those things to be happening. And I think that that is probably actually their priority. You know, how do we make it so we can get players on this platform without it crashing? Which is a yeah. big, big, it just looks bad for the platform, doesn't it? But we've got a question here from FI, Carl Brown, who was, uh, you know, he's doing the circle of fig there. He's, he's appearing on the podcast and asking a question on the next one. <laughs> How do you think the growth of the product for the next 12 months will compare to the growth of the next 12 months? Of the last 12 months, rather? Yeah, I mean, no, as I've said, I, th- I think it's, it's onwards and upwards for FI, to be honest. You know, they're becoming more and more mainstream by the day. I think they're doing a great job on the marketing side of things, you know, the shirt sponsorship with uh, Nottingham Forest and the new and improved adverts. But I think you can now see they are starting to shift more towards the technical side of the platform, which I think a lot of traders have been shouting out for for a while. You know, as we've talked through introducing matching engine, um, moving to order books with the NASDAQ partnership. I think that, that ultimately could start to attract more high net worth individuals, which is great for everyone. You know, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? So, mm. you know, add that to the potential overseas expansion, which would be huge for the platform. You know, I think global media would then come as well, assuming it's pooled liquidity, which would make the platform more global rather than UK centric. Mm-hmm. I suppose 
the obvious risk right now is the wider macroeconomic climate, right? Due to the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So there is a risk there that rising unemployment and lower disposable incomes, will that be a threat? Yeah. People putting in less money in the platform? Undecided, to be honest. You know, some studies even suggest that gambling is almost unaffected during times of recession and that doesn't sort of suffer the same downturn you might expect. So you've got to think, hasn't been any Premier League football for two months now. And those people that would bet on the traditional bookies probably been steering towards football index slightly, I would guess. Mm. Given that we've got the media payouts every day and obviously trading in and out of players. I think overall, I'd, I'd, say, I'd still say that the outlook's very, very positive for FI, but, you know, it might have been even better had the pandemic not have happened. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> that goes without saying, right? Yeah. But I think you, you raise a really good point, you know. There are a lot of concerns about us going into a, a deep, long recession. There's estimates of the economy contracting by 8 to 10% in the UK alone this year. But I think that something with this big a shock factor, you wouldn't, I, I think people are kind of anticipating something right, uh, like that. I mean, you, you can only look as far as what the government have done in terms of quantitative easing and also, uh, you know, the furlough schemes that have happened. These things will prop up the economy to some extent, but longer term, I think mid long term, and I say this in the next six to 18, 24 months, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. And if we do go into another, I think a lot of people are calling it another Great Depression, which I don't think will be the case, but you never know. Again, we're saying yes or no's here, but there's probabilities to all these things, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as we've said, I don't think Football Index could have done much more than what they already have done to, to sort of manage us through the last couple of months. I think they've managed it brilliantly. So yeah, I don't think they could have done much more. Yeah, they've, they've done a great job, haven't they? I mean, we talked about it a bit off the air, but they've handled this period of uncertainty, instability really well. Good question from Harwood Index. He's back. He, he's back. Marlon Harwood's son or cousin, whatever he is. Uh, hi, guys. What do you guys think will happen with transfer window this summer? And what is, in your opinion, the best outcome for traders? I was I actually quite like this question. I think it was my second favourite after, who was it, right at the start? It was old man FIs. I think those two are my favourite. But why don't you take this one away, Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the clubs will need to be given as much flexibility as possible to make it through this period. Potentially an open transfer window all year rather than just restricted to a window. So that, you know, if clubs do need the cash, they can sell players rather than being restricted. I think, you know, maximum flexibility for the clubs is what everyone will want. If that happened, then there's more likely to be more volatility, right? As, as transfers could happen at any point. So, you know, kind of going to have to be the quickest to react to the transfer news and you'll profit like you do now, but that'll be the case throughout the full year if uh, if it's open rather than restricted to a window. I must say I'm definitely not very good at that trading technique. <laughs> transfer trading is, is just not for me, I'm afraid. I think what we could see if there are some swaps, you know, if you had a swap of, I don't know, I'm going to be really hypothetical and outlandish here, but if Martial and Dybala swapped and Dybala became really good for MB and really good for PB United and Martial became a PB monster at Juventus, what we could see is that we could see some swaps where both players actually, their kind of prices rise, which would be quite unusual. But it's something that we could brace ourselves for this summer with these transfer windows. Yeah, I mean, Dybala's a little bit of a sleeping giant, isn't he? I mean, if he was getting more game time and if he didn't have one of the best players of all time being in the same team <laughs> as him, then, you know, he would be doing some serious PB scores. Yeah, I think, you know, this coronavirus, it's completely changed the dynamics of the FI trends, hasn't it? You know, there's macro trends in FI as well. And depending on what time of year it is, you kind of know 
There'll be a focus on EB players before the new season, focus on transfer holds before the transfer season, and youngsters before pre-season friendlies when they get the game time. But this coronavirus, it's just kind of thrown all that up in the air, hasn't it? Those kind of macro trends within FI, they kind of don't exist right now because we don't really know where we're at with anything. Yeah, it's it's certainly been a very hard time to kind of manoeuvre your way around the market. But nonetheless, a lot of traders done really well. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot more kind of robustness of the platform. And FI coming out this and the other end really successful is going to be massive for the platform, I think, overall. We've got a question here from Headhunter, another bloody Liverpool fan. He says, <laughs> another Liverpool fan, fine choice. What do you both think FI will do, if anything, at the end of May when five place media is due to end? Yeah, I think five-place media is, is likely to continue. Um, mm, I agree. You know, it, it's, it's unlikely there'll be any old days, right? So there's a lot of spare dividend capacity there, I think. So you know, there's no doubt FI could afford to just carry on five-place media. But you never know with FI. You know, They've always got something huge up their sleeves, as they say. I think transfer dividends could come back at some point over the summer, maybe, to encourage some trading. I personally wasn't keen on super match day points. I think you needed neither. A, I think you needed a maths degree to, to work out how, how many points you had, which kind of lost me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, not the easiest or easiest on the eye promotion that FI ever done, is it? No. I think it'll be extended. I can't see any other way with the uncertainty, but it's not even in the uncertainty of other leagues starting. It's if the German league decides to stop, which I don't think it will, but if I have to think of that downside, if it does, they don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction. And I think we've talked about them becoming more viable as a business with this move to the matching engine. I do think that they will probably be able to afford the kind of extension of top five media. So let's see what they do. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll be a, they'll announce a dividend review in August or something like that. Who knows? Got a question here from FI Berbatov. Will trading for in-play dividends become more of a valuable strategy given the possible intensity of a fixture list over the coming weeks and months? And do you think this will result in greater volatility? Looking forward to the pod. Yeah, definitely. You know, trading for IPDs, it could see a bit of a comeback being so many fixtures within a 30-day time frame. Although what I would say is you do need to be careful if you're trading just for the IPDs. You know, there's the chances are there's some people have already beaten you to it and got those players 30 to 45 days before in the anticipation there will be IPD traders buying. They'll push the price up and then they'll just sell on the back of a good performance. I personally don't really tend to trade specifically for in-play dividends, really. I'd say I'm more of a medium to long-term trader, but if an obvious opportunity presents itself, you know, it's definitely worthwhile. Earlier in the season, I had Danny Ings for a bit when he went on that run of, of game scoring, uh, which, which worked out well. Yeah, if, if you're talking about greater volatility, I mean, we've seen it with Haaland, right? He went up 50p when Dortmund beat Schalke. So I think while we're all starved of football, there's definitely opportunities out there if you want to back a player to have a big performance and then sell on the rise or hold for the IPDs but if you are going to hold for the IPDs just have a carefully thought out exit strategy especially if it's an older player yeah you need an exit strategy don't you if you're buying them solely for IPDs if it's someone that you're just taking a discount on they get a couple of goals and you want that discount on that player because the in-play dividends coming in then fair enough I think that's a different way of, of looking at things there are a certain different manner of ways that you can look at in-play dividends but trading just for them you have to be quite skilled and I suppose having an exit point is as you said Phoenix the most important point We've got a last question here from FI and Tonic. I've made him wait. What do you think will happen to the market if the Bundesliga test fails and signals the end of football for a very long time? 
you know, I think there would likely be a small dip in the market. Traders with a longer term view will just just pick up value. I mean, if you look at any of the big daily drops that we've seen in the footy, a day or two after, there's always a big rise. Longer term traders buy the dips. And you know, I think this platform is one that really does reward patience and traders that don't panic an instant sell. And I think there's no doubt, you know, if, if football, we didn't see it for a very long time, football index would find some way of stimulating the market as well, whether that be through transfer dividends or some other form of promotion. But I have confidence that Football Index would manage us through that period, given what they've already done when the outbreak started. You know, I am optimistic that Bundesliga will be fine. It seems as if Germany are well on top of the virus with the amount of testing they're doing. And yeah, I think they'll be able to complete the season. Whether that happens in England, Spain and Italy, I think are different questions. I guess we need to learn as much as we can from Germany and have that testing capacity available and act quickly to quarantine anyone that is affected. Yeah, I think one of the other things is if, I think this is the probabilities game again, I, I don't think that that will happen. And Bundesliga have already kind of passed the acid test to some extent. Some of these players have already been positively identified as having COVID-19 or family members having COVID-19 so they're still isolating and, and the games have still gone on. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it is, is one of those things that I think is very unlikely unless Germany has like a really massive second wave or kind of a re-up of the first wave that the Bundesliga fails to finish their season. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you've said, Fig, I think they're already well on the way, as you say, doing doing the testing and identifying anyone that's affected. And it seems as if they've got a good thought out plan in place. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see the Premier League back sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Very, very I mean, soon. I don't know. what. When do you think the Prem's coming back? I mean, what did Panda say? Did he say 13th of June? That's his date. I, don't I think hope it's, it's not. I don't think he's going to be far away, you know. He's, he's not. I mean, <laughs> he is. He does speculate for a living, to be fair. So uh, he's someone that you don't want to put your wits against, which I have stupidly done, and uh, I will pay with my hair going in the bin if yeah. he's right, uh, which I don't want to do. But uh, Phoenix, I think that's all we've got time for today. We had a load more questions that we could have added, but I thought we'd be here all day if I did that. So, you know, thanks so much for coming on. You were absolutely amazing, a really amazing guest. Where can people find out more about you? Thanks, Fig. People can find out more about me at Index Phoenix on Twitter. I've not been as active in the past, but uh, definitely starting to be more active now. Just wanted to say, Fig, thanks again for having me on. Like I say, your podcast have been a great help to me. And yeah, I've enjoyed listening to the different opinions of all your guests you've had on. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you very much. Uh, listener turned guest. I do love it when that happens. Uh, if you guys haven't already subscribed to the pod, please do so. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, check out my website, footballindexguide.com. If you guys are commuting right now, uh, still working, then stay safe out there. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you do, enjoy the sunshine that we're seeing. Sorry we didn't get to answer your questions. As I mentioned, there were so, so many. Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thank you very much all for listening and have a great day. <laughs>